Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jack Farmer tonight. <laughs> it's your Monday Night Raw Wrestling Inc. podcast. Jack Farmer out tonight, but we're still going to give you one hell of a show. I am Justin Labar coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, being joined as always on Monday nights with the man north of the border in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He is over 20 year WWE veteran referee. He's a future Hall of Famer. The man refereed an Undertaker WrestleMania match that automatically gets him to the front of the line at the supermarket, at Disney World, and anywhere else. He is the one. He is the only. He counts the three and makes it cool. Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, how are you? I don't know how to follow up that introduction, but I'm doing after that introduction. I feel great and almost like, wow, what do I say now? <laughs> you just give your opinions. That's all you have to do. And, filling in, and, uh, and joining us tonight to round out our trio's championship uh for the evening uh he's, he, you've seen him around i hope you have but he was on this past friday with glenn uh he was on many times this past fall i believe with jack and myself enjoy the time happy good friend of the wrestling podcast guest spot in here mr matt coon matt how are you tonight i'm great and i just want to say how embarrassing it is to have my uh, uh resume uh just ignored uh because it doesn't exist compared to jimmy's jimmy's got this amazing resume and i'm like uh, i've hosted 14 podcasts for three months but I'm glad to be on. Love being on Wrestling Inc. Great to see you, Jimmy. And good to see you as always, Justin. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, Matt, I mean, you, you can always, uh, I don't know what projects you have going. I know, you, I know you've had a lot of podcasts. Uh, feel free at any time always to throw some cheap plugs out. Uh, we like to do yeah. that here. We like to support our brands. Absolutely. Oh, hey, no, it's, no it's, so, we're, so we're JMJ tonight. 
JMJ. JMJ, uh, JR Smith, dollar ninety nine, super chat, kicking it off. Ah, yes, it's kind. Of, see, I feel, I feel like, I feel like we need to like refund his money. Yeah, he paid a dollar ninety nine to get right ahead and do the Jack Farmer uh, catchphrase. I think, I feel like we have to refund. It's, it's not up to me, JR Smith. I mean, it's not up to me. But I, I, if I, if it was, if I had a button that hit refund, I, I'd refund you right now. I would. Uh, but we appreciate you, JR Smith. We appreciate all of you guys here in the chat. I know people are starting to come in, catch their seats, as we would say, uh, finding their place. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about tonight in this episode of Monday Night Raw and an interesting time for WWE because we are now with Survivor Series in the rear view mirror. Rear view mirror excuse me. We're now on this lengthy uh, bit of road until we have the next PLE, which, of course, is Royal Rumble. Uh, but there is plenty of top line worthy things going on in WWE that I don't think is just going to sit around and milk until Rumble. So uh, really going to uh, talk about tonight what happened and what, what path we are on to see some of these payoffs uh, with some of these stories and dynamics uh, taking place. Uh, before we get into Raw, let's go ahead and do some news like we like to do, uh, kicking it off. First, this is a bit of news. Uh, it is New Japan-centric, uh, but maybe it could involve WWE. And that is the fact that we now know uh, one of the uh, greatest and most uh, decorated uh, New Japan pro wrestlers ever, Okada. It looks like um, he is going to be a free agent very soon. It looks like that uh, in 2024, he will be done with New Japan. And so that then, of course, brings natural speculation. Uh, could he be coming to WWE? Could he come to AEW? Um, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, and right now with 2024 approaching, and this is already looking to be such a game changing year with TV rights deals. We've already seen Punk return to WWE. Is MJF signed? Is he not signed to AEW? Uh, Madam, I'm going to start with you. Uh, your reaction when you see the news that Okada uh, is going to be a free agent soon. Uh, do you think he resides with New Japan, or do you think he comes stateside? And from what we've been hearing, he's wanting to spread his wings. I mean, we don't know, I guess, where his relationship is with New Japan right now. But I will say, like, a year, two years ago, definitely four years ago, the thought of Okada coming to a U.S. promotion and not just automatically being AEW is crazy. Because... You know, you would th back then they you you know we would have been AEW. Right now, I mean, I look at the way CM Punk was presented, I look at the way Cody was presented, and I fear that Okada might feel that he would end up uh, just another fish in the pond at AEW, as he was the last time he appeared there. I think WWE might, is not only a good fit, but I think uh, he might lean in that direction. Well, and to that point uh, that Matt made, Jimmy, let me toss over to you. Um, we've seen recently, and they, you know, Matt brings up some good names in terms of, of high-profile names and how they've been presented, but then let's look just more specifically to uh, to Japanese stars. It seems as of late, WWE has really tried to put their best foot forward with Nakamura, with Asuka, um, with Io Sky. I mean, the, you know, whereas WWE, unfortunately, long had a, had a reputation, a track record, if you will, of Japanese uh, talent or gimmicks turning into comedy or just never, you know, I mean, hell, the, the most successful Japanese was Yokozuna and the guy wasn't Japanese. So gotcha. I do I do wonder if these if, if this is a little bit of Triple H and creative playing a little bit of uh, a little bit, of, a little bit of chess ahead of the game here to try to have the best PowerPoint presentation to make of here. Here's why you should come to us. Well, maybe it's to them just like, you, you know, Matt mentioned spreading wings and stuff like that. If if he's uh, ready to come over to the U.S., why not try a place like WWE? Because WWE has this reputation of kind of 
um, I don't want to say offending, but getting on the nerves of the diehard hardcore fans, is, which is what AEW caters to. So maybe this is an attempt by WWE to kind of add more variety to their presentation. They've already got guys who can, who are characters and, and could, you know, attract an audience. They've already got uh, other guys who are comedy acts. They've got, you know, different presentations. And maybe this is what they're thinking is, hey, we need to get those hardcore fans back on our side again. And someone like an Okada could be another, you know, great tool to do that. Yeah. Uh, Peter P in the chat saying, what about Tajiri? He was successful in WWE. Look, it, it depends on how you want to measure success. Tajiri, Funaki, Takamichi Noku, they might have they they might have had some success if you want to say they made, they got to make some money for a little bit. You know, they got consistent TV time with a catchphrase or with being goofy and facial expressions or whatever they did. But again, it, it always had a layer of goofiness that always kind of what what would have boiled back to with with many, um, you know, many of those Japanese stars. And then you know they tried to <laughs> when Matt Bloom was ready to come back stateside, they tried to. I thought had legs when I first saw the vignettes, uh, but you know, next thing you know, he's eventually the he's eventually dancing with Brodus Clay. So, they 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 this this could be a huge huge uh, chapter in WWE's history, and specifically again WWE's history uh, in presenting uh, a Japanese star. So we will continue to watch. Uh, make sure you stick to Wrestling Inc. for any updates that's going to come about that over the next few months. Uh, the other piece of news here, uh, this uh, this was very, um, th this is interesting given all, the, again, the moving parts. This is over on the AEW side of things. Uh, Dave Meltzer first reported it. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful has also confirmed it. Uh, and that is AEW's VP of post-production, Kevin Sullivan, was let go today from AEW. Now, this is, of course, Kevin Sullivan. This is a production person that goes back to the days of WCW. Do not confuse him with the uh, leader of the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, and, and, and VP of post-production, Jimmy. So he actually, as I understand it right, worked out of Nashville where their production studios are that, that, that AEW uses. So, you know, any editing of a show that's not live, you know, Rampage or editing of, I believe, you know, video vignettes, he's overseeing that. Uh, but he has been... I, I, the wording's let go, so I guess released or, you know, but... It, released or if he's gone on his own accord but any which way he's he's out of there which then is just another name on a list right now of changes to personnel most recently prior to that qt marshall who was tony khan's right hand man announced last week on social media uh, his resignation uh, and how the company has uh, is moving in a different direction than it was in 2019 when he started what do you make of this change to uh, post-production a, a vp nonetheless well, it's very interesting to me on the, in the sense that, like you said, he is a behind the scenes guy that the, uh, you know, the fans don't really know about. And it, and it's perception is reality kind of situation here where they see someone, especially someone with the vice president title leaving, uh, whether it's of his own accord or, or whether he was let go, people are going to start asking questions. Why? I can't tell you why. I wish I wish I could tell you why, but I, I don't know why. And it's got me interested in only in the sense that I wonder what is going on over there. Because like you said, we've seen some people leaving from, from AEW. We've also seen people come in. So what is causing certain individuals to go, especially from the production side? Because one of the um, issues I have with them is sometimes how they produce their product and try, as I like to say how many times, squeeze 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag. Matt, uh Kevin Sullivan, he was listed as a VP of post-production. Normally when you see, especially, you know, especially in wrestling, a VP being uh, removed, you know, maybe it's a budget cut thing, but, but 
AEW is not a publicly traded company like WWE is. Uh, that's actually one of the things that, you know, I mean, AEW really doesn't have any accountability. They don't have to answer to anybody in terms of like what their numbers or metrics are. Um, so this move for that reason kind of makes me curious as to what would lead to this decision to get rid of somebody. Again, I, I can't imagine a budget thing, especially at the rate that they sign talent. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to just, uh, you know, do some pure conjecture here. You know, the first point is, I think what Jimmy's alluding to is that you got now two kind of AW OGs, original guys who, uh, you know, Tony Khan had very close, very important people who, you know, as Tony Khan's circle is changing, might be changing. Also at the same time, could be this conjecture, you know, uh, AW has been maligned a lot for a, more than an average amount of technical flubs, you know, visually. I mean, it happens a lot, you know. I'm not saying he's held responsible. I don't know. But it's possible that it's related to that and them wanting to make sure they cut down on, you know, I think there's some on collision this past week. And there, there's been technical flubs, and it's been more than, um, I think, more than acceptable. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it says post-production, so I don't know how much involved with a lot with any, any show that's live he, he's doing. But um, I don't know. I'll be curious to see what, I, I think inevitably, as the wrestling business will, we, more things will will leak out and uh, float across Then I, the I strike my second answer. Um, I but, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, no, no, but I, I mean, I don't know, Matt. I, I, I don't know. It, 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 I, I'm, I'm saying that's just what his title is, but I, I don't know how it all... So that doesn't disqualify. I mean, there's that doesn't disqualify what you said. I just I don't know. That's that's again. This is it's, it's a very it's, it's, worth, it's worthwhile. Even though we have no real information other than other than he's gone, uh, it was worthwhile to still bring it up this 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 soon because it's just like I, this is a peculiar kind of story. I think to me that to, to have mm-hmm. had this departure, but we'll see. Uh, maybe by the time uh, we get to Wednesday night, Jimmy, we will have more information to talk about. As it relates to that. Okay, let's get into Monday Night Raw. Coming to you from the capital of the state of New York, Albany, New York. A lot of history in Albany. A lot of history. Mm-hmm. I, rest, I, I no, Not to interrupt you here, just uh, Albany, New York holds a special place for me because it was the first television tapings I ever got to work as a referee. Uh, oh, yeah? Back in the day when they used to do superstars and wrestling challenge uh, back-to-back nights. So it was three weeks worth of... Um, of uh, superstars in Albany, and then three weeks worth of uh, wrestling challenge in eighty-seven. Uh, so uh, Glens, Glens Falls in eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. I want to say June of eighty-seven. Uh, have to check. I, 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 you know, I got your I got your book over here. I can just grab it. I'm sure you have it in the book. It's probably in there somewhere. Yeah. No, Albany. I, 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 hey, look, Albany, where where, where Jimmy Corderas' career starts in the WWE. Albany, I believe, uh, site of uh, Royal Rumble '92, arguably one of the one of the great. Greatest Rumbles ever. That story, I believe that was in Albany um, with the Flair win as he just come over. Albany, New York, also the site of the first ever Money in the Bank cash-in. I thought we might have had some uh, synergy going with that here tonight. I thought. I thought. I started booking on Twitter and got myself all revved up. All right. Let's get into Raw. We kick it off with Drew McIntyre, and uh, it is official. He is a heel. Uh, he is just pissed off at everybody. Uh, he also then cuts in, in one part of his promo – he, uh, as he's going through, he doesn't, he, you know, he's going through talking about all the faces and people he's got problems with. He doesn't name CM Punk by name, but then he talks about how, oh, but then we have some people who they're here and then they leave, they go do whatever they want and then they come back and they're forgiven. Uh, and Jimmy, I thought that was a little ironic because as I sat there, I'm like, well, Drew, you were here, you left, you went and did whatever you wanted. Now you're back. 
Yeah, of course it's ironic. And that's what good heels do is they play on the irony because I'm sure there's people out there who are probably thinking the same thing. Hey, I'm sure he's referring to CM Punk, but you know what? I remember him doing kind of the same thing and leaving and blah, 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 and all that sort of. So that's that's the cool thing about it is Drew is being a heel the way you're supposed to be a heel. Yeah, so Matt, so Drew continues his heel uh, promo, and then uh, finally the last name that he gets to that he wants to address is Sami Zayn, who immediately answers and comes out. Uh, they get in each other's face. They got words for each other, and where Drew wants a ref because he wants to um, – he, you know, he wants to kick Sami Zayn's ass. They have a quite the match here, and the big story within the match is Sami. At one point, they keep showing the replay. He comes down off of a second rope jump and looks like he's, you know, damaged his ankle and somehow. And Drew is just targeting that. Um, ultimately, Drew's going to end up getting the win uh, as Sami just looks like a, you know, a, a dog that just needs to be put down. Uh, the referee even has disgust in his face at Drew, who who was showing no mercy. Uh, Matt, your reaction to this match? And this heel Drew that is now in full force. Uh, Drew's characterization, the work he's doing, is some of the best work I think he's ever done. Uh, I think he it's believable. Um, like Jimmy was saying, a heel, a bad guy. You know, we've heard many times that they have to feel like they're justified. So he's got it's got a little bit of that old uh, Bret Hart kind of heel turn where you know he's just mad, and you can see he has every right to be mad. As far as this match, it set the tone for what was a very wrestling heavy. Um, raw there was a lot of wrestling a three segment match to start it great match um you know just another example of of two guys in wwe who are now bigger stars than they were a year ago and you could tell the crowd was into it i was into it i thought the segment was great sammy's the perfect foil drew's doing great work the match was fantastic both guys are you're right they, they really it's great to see where they're at and jimmy I got to just give all the props to Sami Zayn for his selling for, I mean, I mean, he really, I mean, he really had me of like, do we need to stop this match? It, it is. I mean, this was a fantastic job. Uh, and, and again, I got to turn to you as a ref. I mentioned a minute ago, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, Zapata was the ref and he just had this look of, he didn't even want to lift Drew's hand up. I, I, I get that. But at the same time, uh, for, first of all, let me get to the positive. Like you said, uh, Sammy sold like a champ. And again, I, I, watching it and watching the landing, even I went, hmm, hold on. Let's see if he's working here. You know, you try to, <laughs> unfortunately, from an analytical standpoint, instead of thinking, uh, oh, I hope he's okay. I'm, I'm like, okay, is he just doing a hell of a job or is he really like here? And he did a hell of a job. As for Rob selling, I get the referee, you know, giving a little bit of expression and that sort of thing, but don't overdo it. I think Rod just overdid it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? There's, you can have that kind of look like, come on, man. But at the same time, don't overdo it. And you, there was a point in there where he, instead of backing him off to check on Sammy to see if he wanted to give up and quit, it looked like he was mad at him mm -hmm. for when, when he did the, after he did mm -hmm. the chop block on the knee. You're not mad at him for doing. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to target an injured body part to make your <laughs> opponent submit, right? So I think he overdid it a little bit, but at the same time, I get your point. And yeah. and and uh, as you said, Matt, really good match, really good start to the night. Well, there's definitely. I mean, I agree. I think there's definitely a fine line. If you're, I mean, obviously, you know, as as you could as you could do a master class on Jimmy as a ref, you know, you need to be, you know, until the, until the time calls for it, you need to be invisible. Um, yeah, there's definitely a fine line between doing what he, what the ref Zapata did tonight versus, you know, and I, 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 
I hate it when I see it, unfortunately, on Wednesdays, when the ref is like re- reacting to a bump as if the bump happened to them. <laughs> you know, it just that becomes, you know, so there's definitely a fine line of, of, of being uh, too noticeable and too distracting. Uh, and this, you know, rest, very, very wrestling heavy tonight, as Matt mentioned. And even just this match and this, this problem between the feud or between, excuse me, between the promo, the match, and then post match later backstage. We see medical checking on Sammy, and Drew continues to attack him and beat him down. I mean, this occupied about 45 to 50 minutes of the first hour. Uh, so this, I mean, they really, really invested tonight uh, in this uh, Drew McIntyre heel, you know, new heel run and his issues with Sammy Zayn, certainly not the last that we're going to see between these two. Uh, moving on, we get uh, Nia Jax. She's going to have a match with Shayna Baszler. Uh, it is what it is. Nia is going to you know, end up getting the win. She's right now on the roll. She gets the win with her Annihilator. So, you know, like, kind of like a Yokozuna Banzai drop. But the real headline of this segment is that she had a little interaction backstage prior with Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch then comes out post-match here. And uh, Nia Jax, like the heel should, just kind of backs on out and says, not today. Matt, I can't, th- th- this is interesting because obviously anybody that's been watching for the last few years, they know there's history here between Nia Jax and, and Becky Lynch, which the two touched on. Uh, in the in the promo backstage, what is wild? I could not believe this. Tell me if you knew this. Sean Ross Sapp tweeted something, and I and when, usually if Sean tweets something, I take it for pretty good credibility. But I did I deep dove just to make sure, and he's right. Becky Lynch and Nia Jax have never had a televised singles match with each other. That's crazy. It's crazy if mm-hmm. you think about it. You know, um, you would think their paths would cross. I, you know, I'm looking forward to the match. I'm sure it'll be great. But I think like uh, them just running into each other backstage and Becky going, we have unfinished business. I think there's probably a better way to do that. Uh, I think you might be shorting the match a little bit. I thought the match was a very physical match, very physical, and it was good. Um, but you know they were laying them in, and it was uh, it it was not a bad match by any means. I thought it was pretty good, and I thought it was very uh, very physical. I think they were hitting them. Well, to the match, Jimmy. Um, I, I did go also over, but I but we it, it was physical. I think the thing that still has me a little try, uh, you know, Nia Jax clearly the heel. Mm-hmm. Shayna Baszler they rode on they rode on some fanfare momentum for a few weeks when the WWE Universe decided they wanted no more of Ronda Rousey, and Shayna Baszler was the one to get rid of Ronda Rousey on TV. Uh, but I don't feel like the crowd is stuck with Shayna and is you know invested with any real. Anything real of her being a babyface? So this to me just felt like I'm watching just two women who I'm I'm not cheering either one of them. So I, that's always an interesting dynamic. Uh, what did you feel about the match? And uh, what's your excitement level of uh, Nia Jax and Becky Lynch potentially finally having a singles feud after some storied history? Well, on that I'm I'm looking forward to. But back to your original point here, I I kind of feel like you did. I was again, questioning who to cheer for here. And yes, it, it almost felt like Shayna Baszler was the de facto baby face in this thing, as opposed to the natural baby face. If you're getting my drift, it, it, it didn't feel natural. And I think a lot of the audience who tell you a lot of what you need to know probably didn't feel that despite Shayna's credentials and, and real credentials, this match was set up to build up Nia Jax, which it did. It did do very well. Uh, and I will say this. I did get scared for, for Shayna on that German suplex. So uh, that one spot where it looked like uh, Nia. Anyways, it looked scary. Let's put it that way. But um, I, I think the match accomplished its goal. It's making you look, making Nia look like a really scary, scary individual in the women's division who can 
legitimately, you know, relieve uh, certain women of certain titles. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Well, Nia Becky, it's another example right now of, of, of WWE going deeper in their depth of women of not just having to have, oh, we're just going to have the women's feud over the, over the whatever title there is. That we, we, are, we could have more issues, more stories that don't need titles involved. And you have a lot of story and history if you dig into the, the videos. I mean, really, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm recalling it right, you know, then that, that, that famous it was right around the build of Survivor Series of, of Nia, you know, bloodying. Becky's nose that was pretty much the launching point of the man moniker of when Becky was just kind of launched into a new level uh for her career so a lot to hone in on we'll see uh we'll see where it goes and again we have a lot of time until the next PLE so this is another match uh, there's other several of them right now there's, there's another match it's like all right do we go ahead and build a raw around it um so, since we have some time Backstage, we get DIY along with uh, Candace and Indy. Indy, They do a little mocking of Imperium, and then the Imperium guys walk by. uh, So we're getting ready to have our uh, two out of three falls match between DIY and Imperium. Uh, Of course, the pressure is on both Kaiser and Vinci to get this win, to get it done, as uh, as Indy called him. Papa Gunther uh, wants to see these guys shape up. First fall goes to Imperium with Kaiser getting the roll-up on Champa. Second fall goes to DIY with Gargano. He rolls up Vinci. Third fall and the win goes to DIY as uh, Champa and Gargano both hit their meat in the middle. Double super kick on Kaiser. So Kaiser is responsible for the one victory fall or one one victory fall that uh, that Imperium gets Jimmy. But Kaiser's and then Vinci's the uh, Vinci and Kaiser both get pinned at one point. Kaiser, of course, his pinfall. Uh, is the third and final fall that calls them. So, like, it, it's kind of like what I'm getting. It's kind of like a wash. You, both men have have complaints that they can have at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you make of this match? And I will just go ahead and say this: I usually don't. I don't like two out of three falls matches, but this one, I usually I don't like the gimmick of it. But this one, uh, I thought was was pretty entertaining for all things considered. It was entertaining because these two teams actually worked so well together, and there is a little bit of a story going on. And again, the, at least they didn't come out and blatantly say it. Can they coexist? But we have that story going on with Imperium right now. Can they coexist? And we already know that, that uh, DIY, both uh, Johnny and uh, Tommaso can, are a hell of a team. And like you said, the two out of three fall gimmick, uh, some people don't like it. I'm okay with it, depending on how the two out of three falls work. And it worked perfect in a babyface capacity where the babyfaces found themselves down one nothing, and then coming back and tying it up in the same fashion that the heels went ahead with that roll-up. Normally, I'm usually complaining about the the most dreaded move in wrestling right now is the roll-up, it seems to be. but uh, And them, you know, attempting to hit their finish a few times, finally getting it and getting that win and looking forward to seeing how this is going to affect Imperium going in the future. Yeah, uh, Michael Cole doing great stats, uh, noting DIY, having uh, a lot of familiarity and success with two out of three falls match. Two out of three falls match was how they won their first NXT tag titles. Uh, and two out of three falls match is how Johnny Gargano won his uh, one and only NXT World Championship. So uh, good uh, good work there by the great Michael Cole. Uh, Matt, a uh, lot, lot, lot here going on. DIY, they're back together after a lot of uh, you know, fans waiting for that. So this is a big win for them. This Imperium story is really intriguing. I mean, you know, uh, later on, actually, that we would see Gunther in the background, as they like to do in these backstage things. He was actually talking to Kaiser. Um, what do you make of this? What's 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 standing out for you in terms of what's hitting, what's missing? I think um, what's missing is the DIY story. Um, with, you know, they've made this mistake many times bringing people up from NXT, assuming that whatever worked for them down there is going to work for them up there. Um, and the DIY story took place over a long 
period of time, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with telling that story a bit more to get the fans more invested. You know, um, they're not, you know, we've seen, like, American Alpha is a great example. They were awesome in, in NXT. They come up. They didn't tell their story. They just said, here they are, and it didn't really hit. Um, DIY are great wrestlers. This was a great match. But I think they are compelling characters, and I don't think we have seen that be told. The the stakes, not that many stakes. The Gunther uh, stake is who's Gunther going to be most mad at. Makes it a little less compelling for me. But a uh, great two out of three falls match. Uh this just this first hour and forty minutes of Raw was almost all wrestling. It was it was very interesting to see. Matt, we don't get to talk to you uh, on the regular about Imperium. So uh, it, it, clearly they're they're teasing. They're building at some point that that, that one of the two henchmen, Kaiser, eventually one of them is going to be kicked out of the group, uh, if not both. But one of them is going to get out first. Uh, you have an opinion? I mean, Kaiser's shown more. I think marketability and he stands out more with his the walk and the facial expressions but i don't know what 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 say you if you're going to gunther's obviously you know working on becoming a made man and, and, and an established main eventer soon enough but what would you do with vinci and kaiser what what are you going to do if you had the call of who breaks off and if they break off they automatically become a babyface? i would keep them uh, as long as possible keep this going until it reaches a fever pitch among the fans you know, for, for Kaiser, Kaiser's the dude, Kaiser's the guy, he's great, you know, maybe even like SummerSlam, you know, keep it going, keep, keep Gunther getting more and more abusive and, and them getting more and more tempted and don't be so quick for it to happen until the fans are firmly behind somebody. You know, we've seen that when that happens to a peak and it's perfect to happen. And yeah, whoever turns is, is a baby face against Gunther uh, instantly. I believe Kaiser is German, and they are going to be in Berlin for a big PLE next summer. Mm. So, so did you get me thinking about Perfect. the summer? That would be the place to yeah. But make Kaiser's that the case. dude, man. He's he's great. Like you, he's got the character stuff down. He's great in the ring, and and there's no reason to think he can't have a, a very successful singles career. Or maybe, or maybe I'm I'm sitting here assuming that they have to split, and one of them breaks off. Maybe they both break away. They they both turn their backs on Gunther, and they both then they just become a babyface tag teams to add to this you know tag team division that's starting to again add some depth uh, of its own that's a, that's an interesting take yeah it's yeah. it's less effective to me as a um, as a turn if you have both you know yeah I well know. i i i think if you did i i usually i would agree with that i think if you did it it'd be a situation of like guther's looking at them for help to keep his historic icy title run going and they're like nope all, it, this is all you and then that would be a way to baby them both uh, at that moment backstage uh we got to work on the security at the judgment day clubhouse our truth has infiltrated it again uh, he's got a he's got an old black and white tv that he's trying to set up and uh as cole said where's the rabbit ears and you know more a little a little more comedy ears we got truth back on tv uh the biggest takeaway though beside from the from the comedy chops that are the legendary our truth is uh Damien Priest is talking to J.D. McDonough and to Dirty Dom, and he informs all of us that Finn and Rhea are both, Rhea are both not there tonight, especially when he says Rhea's not there. You can hear the live crowd in Albany not happy with that. So they don't get CM Punk tonight. They don't get Mommy Rhea Ripley tonight. And, I, I mean, she – I mean, I continue to say, you know, she's on – she's she's booked in a heel team, and she's on the heel side of the fence, uh, the yard, but – Jimmy, Rhea Ripley is she's I think she's just she's on a level. Uh, I'm not gonna say on her own, but you know I'm not gonna ignore 
Roman Reigns and a few other people, right. but she she's at a level right now that is just insane, especially by comparison in the women's division in history. No, absolutely. She is hitting all the, like you talk about ticking all the boxes. She's ticking all the boxes right now. And she's doing what is the most important thing we've been talking about, getting the audience invested in her, regardless of the fact that she's a heel, they still want to see her. They want her to appear. They want to, whether it is to cheer her, to boo her, whatever the case may be, they still want to see her and they are invested in her. Not as the title is a nice little uh, added um, bonus. Let's put it that way. But like I said, I don't want to sound repetitive. They are so into her right now that uh, she's on another level from some of the other ladies on the roster. Let's put it like that. Yeah. We'll obviously talk more about Judgment Day, Matt. I, want, I just want to—it's crazy. Rhea's not even on this episode, and I'm—and we're dedicating—we're dedicating, we're dedicating you know, a little pocket of this podcast to Rhea, Matt. I think Rhea. Um, first off, I don't think there's anybody right now, and it's even position right now in WWE to to be believable to even beat her and 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 dethrone her. Um, I look at her though. You've been a fan for for you know, many many decades. I look at her as I go back to the early 2000s. I go back to like 2001 when China had broken away from DX Incorporation, and China had really seeped into the mainstream. Now, Rhea really hasn't done that. I mean, China was on the cover of Playboy for Christ's sake. So China seeped in the mainstream. You know, they were she was. They were doing more feminine stuff with her rather than her just being the big, you know, bodyguard. And it, it all happened really fast. And then she was gone from WWE not too long. Obviously, a lot of controversy and different things that happened behind the scenes and, and, and her contract negotiations, whatever, whatever. I think had China stayed, and I'm talking in the wrestling arena, had China stayed for those next few years in the early 2000s, that we would have kind of seen what we're getting out of what we're getting right now with Rhea, where just a, a woman is not because of not because of sex appeal necessarily you know not because of pillow fights or tna but a woman because of just physical dominance and also in-ring performance um i, I feel like there's like a comparison is what i'm getting at. i feel like what we're seeing with Rhea is what i always what i thought what i think china would have continued to do inside the wrestling arena as, as, a, as a longtime wrestling fan what would you what would you say to that there, there's a certain presence about Rhea that's unique there's a presentation about her that's unique and it's very appealing and very credible and very genuine. So like Jimmy's saying, she she connects. Um, you know, they have that in their pocket whenever they want it. Whenever they want to go to Rhea, the big, the big baby face star, like, you know, whatever fights back against the Judgment Day, they've got that. And to me, the parallel to her is Bianca Belair, where you have these two great, just young, really uh really just great and possibly transcendent wrestlers both of them can break into the mainstream can be the standard bears for the entire company you got two of them and they're both very different and they're both unique and they're both extremely marketable yeah uh very good call on bianca yeah so very uh so again Rhea not there tonight but uh uh still getting reactions from the crowd next uh, match we get sticking with the women's division we get a tag team match we get Caden carter and katana chance up against Tegan Knox and Natalia, uh, Chelsea Green and Piper Niven on commentary, just annoying uh, Wayne and Mikey Boy as they referred to uh, their commentary uh, colleagues for the match. Uh, this uh, this one, especially the finish, but there was you know, some spots leading into it. Some very creative uh, offense from Carter and Chance. Their finishing move they call it the keg stand. Uh, just go online and check it out. A very very creative uh, tag team move here to do. They're going to get the win over Tegan Knox and over Natalia. 
Um, Jimmy, what'd you make of this match? Uh, you know, Chance and Carter, obviously the, 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 the two out of this whole segment that we have the least familiarity with on the main roster. What'd you make of that? And uh, we never really get to talk too much about Chelsea and Piper as tag team champs and, and, and their role. So where are you at with the women's tag team title picture? It's starting to pick up. Let's put it that way. It's not, uh, definitely, in my opinion, not there yet. But I like the fact that they did have someone like a Natty in there. And, and yes, and Tegan Knox to a certain degree. But uh, Chance and Carter looked really good together. And a lot of that had to do with Natty. Natty made them look great. It helped them help elevate them. So we'll see where this goes. Um, it, it, there's a little more interest in the tag team division in the women's side right now. And the champs were annoying, like they're supposed to be, <laughs> I guess, on, on commentary. We'll see where this leads. They haven't got me totally drawn in yet, but they're building that interest. Let's put it that way. Matt, are you interested in the women's tag team title picture in WWE right now? Not really. However, I will say, uh, I, I love Chelsea. Chelsea is amazing. And this um, this tag division has always been kind of, you know, generally, if you're in it, it's dead, you know, but if, unless you can make the most of it, like Chelsea's doing, she's making the most of every opportunity. Uh, Katana Chance and um, Hayden, uh, they've been together a long time. They've been doing this a long time, you know, for a, a you know, a young baby face tag team. I don't think they really connect with the audience. You know, usually you would see in someone in this role being cheered on and people going, wow, look at these young kids or wow, they're doing great stuff. But it just seems like um, there's some not clicking about them in the ring to me. I can't tell you what it is because I'm not a wrestler. But to me, it, it misses me. Um, and, of course, Natty uh, is um, amazing, uh, obviously. Yeah, let's, uh, Jimmy, uh, as the resident Canadian, you can talk about your fellow Canadian. Uh, let's talk about Natty for a minute. Um, I mean, one of the longest tenured talents there, male or female, obviously comes from uh, a royal wrestling family. Um, I still feel like Natty. I st it's crazy as I say all those accolades. I still feel like she's underrated and underappreciated. I don't know. I don't. Do you ever feel that? I don't. I don't. Um, maybe, maybe not under, the maybe not under. Maybe not underappreciated. I just feel like she still has not ever got like that that run that I really think that she should have. Uh, you do have a point there. Maybe maybe that is true, but at the same time, I don't think she's underappreciated by her employers. Let's put it that way. They know what they have, the value that Natty brings to a, a, the women's division, not only for, for what we see on television, for what goes on behind the scenes as well. She is someone to go to because, uh, like you said, she comes from wrestling royalty. Her DNA is just, like, incredible be between her father and her uncle and all that. Anyways, uh, she, but it, I can see your point. It almost feels like there should have been that one run for her that was yeah. like, like to, to really solidify that career. Is it too late now? You, you know, some people may say so, but at the same time, you, you know, she's there and every time she's in the ring with someone, she helps elevate them. And I think that's her, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, that's, where she is right now as far as uh, her position on the roster. Yeah. I mean, she's been, you know, she's been a, a, a manager slash wrestler to her husband and her cousin. She's gone through the divas era and the divas title. Then, okay, we're going to start to actually 
we're going to do women's wrestling. She's going to be there as a vet, but we're not really going to push her anywhere else. Oh, we're going to get into reality shows with E. Well, we're going to put Natty on there. We're going to have Natty partying and getting silly, and we're going to we're going to build some reality show stuff around her. Um, I just, I just, she's just. I mean, oh, we're going to have her do a farting gimmick where she can't stop farting, and that that's a, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> I know, I know, we all try to forget that. I just, I don't know. I look at Natty. I just feel like she. There's still a run that I feel like she hasn't got. She hasn't had that she should have. No, completely understood. But she's also showed that she could do anything you ask her to do. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and knowing Natty the way I do, uh, she's happy to do it. Obviously, she probably would have loved that run that you're talking about. But at the same time, you know, she's she's doing it because she loves it. I mean, it's not too late. She's still in great shape. She's still. I mean, oh, yeah. So if they wanted to do it, they could do it. Uh, she's a good soldier. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. She's a good soldier. All right. Uh, next up here, one of the uh, really interesting um stories going on here on the red brand and that is with cody rhodes Uh, he comes out and of course they show us the recap of the week prior of shinsuke nakamura uh who had been having all these kind of like cryptic messages for weeks of of of, you know who is he targeting who's his next opponent well we'd find out last week that it's cody as he came out and uh you know spit the poisonous mist into cody's face so cody cuts a promo puts over that poisonous mist puts over being afraid of it and the great Muda when he was a boy and how now getting the mist from Shinsuke, it, it's justified his, his, his childhood fears. Uh, and then we get an answer from Shinsuke Nakamura and another one of these, I'm going to say excellently, excellent produced, excellently produced um, WWE uh, pre-tape promos and vignettes. It's uh, Shinsuke with the subtitles cutting a promo but they're also interlacing in some some video to, to echo what he's saying and the whole gist is he's saying how he and cody have traveled the same path they've had the same humiliation they climb the mountain win a royal rumble go to the go to a title match world title match at wrestlemania come up short and hearing cody talk about finishing his story it's inspired shinsuke it's inspired him he's going to step into cody's shoes and he's just going to finish cody's story for him he's going to take that burden off of Cody's shoulders. And then we would later then, of course, find out that they're going to make the match official for next week, that it's Cody Rhodes versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Matt, I thought, what a great explanation as to why Shinsuke Nakamura has targeted Cody Rhodes. I thought the the words that 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 in Nakamura's promo, and then they're showing the clips of Nakamura winning the Rumble, Cody winning the Rumble, et cetera, et cetera. I thought this really hit uh, and, and, and tie this thing together. Uh, what say you? You know, Nakamura has had a uh, a career renaissance with these promos and his feud with Seth Rollins. And it's Cody is just, what do you do with Cody right now? You know, that's kind of always the question. What are we going to do with Cody this year? And I'm telling you, this guy has so much momentum. And the fact that he's kept the momentum up this long. And to watch him go from, okay, this big AW star's here, to, oh, he's a great star, to now beloved by the WWE for audience has been something to watch. They love Cody Rhodes. And so uh, it's a great feud. Nakamura is great. Everything worked for me. And Cody is still uh, has momentum. Jimmy, your thoughts on the segment as a whole? No, overall, I thought it was great. Like I talked about all the time, drawing me in, they drew me in, especially with the explanation that Shinsuke Nakamura and the, the parallels between their journeys, their stories. And everybody talks about <clears throat> Cody. Cody needs to finish his story. And uh, Nakamura is saying that their stories are so similar. I love, I love the connection there. And makes and obviously you have to bridge the gap between now and whenever that story for Cody is, you know, 
finish being told until the next story for Cody, uh, which a lot of people are predicting is going to be WrestleMania. There's still a lot of time there, but man, imagine the, yes, they're having a match on TV next week, but imagine what they could do leading up to the next pay-per-view or PLE. So to that point, Jimmy, and I'll ask both of you this, both of you can answer this. So um, last week, Cody had declared, you know, he's going to, he's the first one to, that he's going to enter, which is always funny to me. I'm declaring I'm entering the Rumble. Everybody wants to be in the Rumble. It's your ticket to WrestleMania. But anyways, uh, that that was one trope that I was hoping Hunter would <laughs> would get rid of, but I guess we're going to stick with that. We're going to stick with that and point to the science marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know Cody's in the Rumble, obviously. Uh, and we have a long way to go, relatively speaking, until the Rumble. So we're getting this first match between he and Nakamura next week. Would you guys agree that there's enough time and to not just to, to, to try to keep some momentum for Nakamura? Nakamura should probably win this first match, right? By hook or by crook, he should probably win this first match. And we can have, you know, a, a rematch or some series of matches beyond and, and, and still have time to get to Rumble. But Matt, I mean, I think if we go right out the gate next week and Cody beats Shinsuke Nakamura, well, case closed what else you know this is all that, that kind of kills it right yeah and i think it's uh curious you know that they have a match next week so i would guess that they're not going to have a match in full next week something will happen that will prevent them from having to have uh the full match so that they can stretch this thing out a little bit further the story will be furthered next week but for them to have like uh, a big match with a definitive winner seems premature and very un wwe like at this juncture when they're storylines take so long to develop jimmy what do you think happens next week well uh, you can uh, like like matt said you could end the match quickly in a in non-finish type capacity or not have them you announce the match and yes it would piss a lot of people off if you don't actually have the match but something happens prior to the match that doesn't allow this match to take place you know and then and you know whether it's something happens, there's an interaction backstage, some miscommunication, some, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe Shinsuke sprays, sprays Cody before the match starts backstage somewhere. And now Cody can't see, so they can't have the match. Something along those lines. Let me throw this again, just throwing things out here as we're, as we're speculating about how this is going to play out in timeline. And Cody mentioned the great Muda, great Muda went into the hall of fame so it has a working relationship with WWE. Um, it's not. It, w- it wouldn't be impossible to think that the Great Muda makes an appearance through any of this. I don't know. I don't know. Just, just, just uh, that. That just hint, the fact they mentioned. But it made sense that he m- mentioned Muda. Obviously, that that times out when Cody's a kid. Uh, that that's who's who, he, who he's watching and seeing through the mist and, and and everything. I don't know. I just I, I, I that was something I thought of and I jotted down of like, hey, Muda, he's he's a WWE Hall of Famer now. He could, you know, maybe maybe get involved. No reason not to. Yeah, sometimes, right. sometimes, why mention someone if they're not going to appear? Exactly, exactly. Uh, so we'll uh, looking f- looking forward to that next week um, on Monday Night Raw to see what exactly we get out of this advertised match between those two. All right, so we get uh, JD McDonough and Dirty Dom up against the Creed Brothers. Now the Creed Brothers are the number one contenders for Priest and Finn's tag titles. We don't yet know when that match is going to happen but we know it that we know they're the next up so jd mcdonough and dom have been tasked with get, go out there and neutralize these guys that take them out of the out of the picture uh creed brothers kind of uh, a little bit heightened heightened status but a little bit somewhat like what matt was saying earlier about um chance and carter it's like 
you know, there's some there's some cool things to see that they do spot wise, but the crowd's still not fully. I don't feel like on board. I feel like commentary is working their ass off talking about these guys pedigree and they qualified for Olympic trials, but they decided to, to, to go the route of WWE instead. All, all great things. Um, you know, we saw more power display. I, you know, I got to give a shout out. I think it's to, I think it's Julius. He had that sequence here where he's doing German suplex and then he kips up German suplex kips up. He did it you know, several times in a row, which is, uh, you know, lo- lo- just looks like something that would just make any, any normal person just throw up. <laughs> if you were tasked to do this. Uh, finally though, with the Brutus bomb, um, off the as Brutus comes flying off the top rope, uh, they get the win. They pin JD McDonough. He's JD McDonough's the, the the fall guy for Judgment Day right now. Uh, so uh, a win as it should be for the Creed brothers. Matt, I'll go back to you again. Uh, it, it, you know, is it is it like Carter and Chance? Is it is it the same kind of thing where it's like the crowd still just isn't hitched to their wagon, or or is there more story that that that, that needs to be told with them? I think uh, Carter and Chance have been up for a bit and have yet to catch fire, and the people are starting to enjoy the Creeds, and I think. Not only that, they're getting uh, different kind of rubs on screen from either the New Day or my favorite segment of the whole show is when Damian Priest uh, asked them why they lost the match, you know, and they go, well, they're legit. And Priest goes, okay. <laughs> you know, like, how, how many times have you seen that? Like, they beat us because they're better than us, and you better yeah. watch out. Like, it, that's a great rub to give them, but also was the most real credible thing ever because then Priest just goes, yeah. Okay. I get it. Cool. Like that was that was a great moment. Yeah. Oh, no. Great call. And Julius Creed is the breakout star. Like he's that dude is is going to be something. He's going to be somebody for sure. If I if I could just jump in here, the the point that Matt made. Uh, you know, yes, those guys are great in the ring, but like you said, that comment made afterwards by Dom, if I'm not mistaken, saying you you, you guys better be watch out because these guys are legit. That did more to elevate that tag team than the actual match itself. So some, you know, as good as the, the, the match was and as good as these guys are in the ring, sometimes you have to, like I always say, talk people in front of the TV and in front of the, into the seats. And that's what that one little line did. It made people go, oh, wow. Even the guy we can't stand is saying, you know, these guys are legit. Yeah, no, great call, Matt. Uh, absolutely right. That is something you know unique that you don't often get, especially from the guy who gets some of the biggest heel reactions. Uh, that is uh, Dirty Dom. So yeah, the Creed brothers. Um, and I would agree, Matt. If I'm looking at the two of them, Julius is the one who um, exudes a little bit more of that it factor. Um, but we'll keep seeing. They they certainly are, are, are you know doing. They're they're trying. They're they're getting some wins. Again, commentary is really trying to sell them on TV. I always I always try to th- remind myself in a situation like this. There's ten thousand people in the arena. There's you know m- millions at home. If the millions at home each week keep hearing the commentary, it'll it will eventually translate into hopefully as they start going to the buildings when when WWE comes to their town that they start reacting a little bit more and start you know remembering what commentary said about oh these guys are Olympic athletes and they, they're here and these guys you know so hopefully as time goes on and consistency if they keep being consistently booked and featured on TV. They'll get some more reactions uh, as they come out, and then by the time they have this match against Priest and Finn, whenever that's going to be, um, there's a uh, there's a there's a thirst to see them uh, disrupt the Judgment Day. All right, it's time for what's now going to be our annual CM Punk segment, uh, and he wasn't even there tonight. <laughs> Adam Pierce backstage. Uh, Seth's getting ready. Seth's got a big title match coming up, but Adam Pierce picked this time. He's got to tell Seth right now. Seth, I know you're getting ready. I know you're trying to get focused on main event Jay Uso, but I got to tell you, 
I invited CM Punk here next week. He's the hottest free agent. I'm going to sign him. Uh, to which Rollins like, whatever. It's on you. He's going to come here. He's going to screw things up, and it's going to be all on you. Uh, CM Punk, of course, they're labeled as a free agent. He's going to go to SmackDown this Friday, uh, and then he will be on Raw next Monday. Matt, I haven't got to talk to you at all about CM Punk. He's going to be on Raw next Monday in Cleveland, which, by the way, for you historians, again, as we're in a little bit of history tonight, Cleveland was the building, was the town where CM Punk had his last throwdown in person backstage with Vince and Triple H and management, and then he left the building, and that was him effectively done with the company in uh, January of 2014, the night after he had the Rumble here in Pittsburgh. So a lot of fun little synergy. I'm sure he will bring it up next Monday. Matt, your thoughts on CM Punk and this whole situation right now? Well, you know, Punk, uh, uh, his relationship with AEW definitely affected uh, my podcast um, with Dax Harwood and uh, uh, in a negative way. You know, so uh, Punk has been an impactful person in my life uh, in a secondary way. Uh, I've can, I, can, I, can I stop? Sure. Can, can, I, can you... Can you, can you offer any more clarity to that? Sure. Like you for know, people that don't know, the, the the Dax podcast, Dax Harwood and I had a podcast, and we talked about punk. Now Dax and I are kind of we're kind of old school. Like we're just like, well, we can talk about anything. And apparently, you know, us talking about punk, especially towards the end, where we talked about how great it would be to have uh, CMFTR versus the Elite at Wembley, uh, it raised a lot of flags with a lot of fans and stuff, and and it was um, a very negative thing. The reaction. Uh, to us talking about punk so much was very negative, and um, it it you know it was one of the things that led to us not being able to uh, have our podcast anymore was just the controversy that constantly swirled it because we talked about punk a lot. But but when you talk about punk, I mean like Dax and Punk are on the same side of things. Like they're, they're yeah, good it was, it's weird. It, it, right, it's weird. It's it's um you know uh, it it was just like you know. Dax works there, you know, so when you talk about stuff at work, people don't like it sometimes, you know. Interesting, interesting. All right, well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry I cut you off to ask you that follow-up. Sure, but but anything more you want to talk about with Punk here as it relates now that he's back in WWE? But Dax and I made the decision to end the show because we just didn't want all the negativity uh, involved, and it was killing it, by the way. Yeah. Um, but Punk was definitely a factor. Uh, Punk, wow, what a, what, a, what a trip it's been, you know, to, to, to go from being on a show where we're like, hey, we really want to see Punk back in AEW to hear where he's in WWE. I hope it works out for everybody. I'm a fan. Um, I like to see him treated more fairly by wrestling media. Uh, but at the same time, I think this is the perfect situation for him. And uh, what a pickup by WWE. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, obviously, we did get to talk about Punk last week. We saw his first promo last week on Raw. Uh, cool that they're giving him the rub over to SmackDown, kind of doing the same thing that Orton did, letting the two brands make their best pitch. Uh, what do you expect next Monday? I, 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 we saw Randy go to SmackDown because he wants the bloodline. He wants bloodline. He wants Roman Reigns. Do we get Punk on Raw next week saying, I want Seth Rollins? What are you thinking here? What's going on? Uh, I don't know if he goes on next Monday and says, I want Seth Rollins because obviously there's, you know, hints dropped by Drew McIntyre as well. So you've got two built in stories right there. Yeah, and you talk about someone who moves the, me the needle and could possibly do There's a guy who can move the needle with both guys. Like Matt, like Matt said earlier, Drew some, Drew's doing some of the best work of his career right now. Imagine him and someone who's got the, the attention that CM Punk has right now. And then Seth and CM Punk eventually. It feels like the logical move. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what he does this Friday. Then we'll we'll tune in next Monday. Um, Seth Rollins had a match tonight, and even during his match tonight, there were CM Punk chants. So the it's not lost on the audience that they whether they're going to get it now, whether they're going to get it at Mania, they want it, or, or at least they or at least they want to see the interactions on the microphone. We'll see what transpires after it's that. It's crazy when you think they just kind of spoon fed the idea of it's going to be Punk and Rollins to the audience uh, right away, right by the, him doing that thing outside that cage, and now. They're clamoring for it like it's their idea. It's a brilliant WWE strategy for his first feud. <clears throat> Marketing, pal. Marketing. Uh, all right, the so wrestling business, after all. Business, yes, yes. Uh, what, what was the last word from Punk last week? I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. There you go. <laughs> we said last week. And then we, you know, look, you know, cheap. She plugged uh, this past Sunday. I'm on, on Busted Open now on our on our seventh day every morning, every Sunday morning. Myself and Jonathan Hood just, just do 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 your job and go home, make your money and just go home. Nice. Don't don't engage in the extracurricular. Just go home. Mm-hmm. You got the private bus. You got the private plane. You got the money. Go home. All right. So we get Seth Rollins in action. Uh, the advertised match has been advertised for the week. Him defending his uh, world title against main event Jay Uso. Uh, it's been 15 years that Jay Uso has been in the company, I believe, on the roster, uh, at least at least the main roster. 14 years ago to the day, I believe, again, Michael Cole, shout out to the stats of the uh, tragic passing of Umaga, who was the uncle of Jay Uso. Uh, so a lot, you know, a lot here. Big, big fight feel. You, we don't often get the world title defended on Monday Night Raw. So this is, uh, uh, you know, it's got, it's got the feel that, Definitely gave it time. You know, this match started, I believe, about 10.30 Eastern time. Uh, so, Jey Uso versus Seth Rollins. Just, I mean, ton, I mean, just ton of match here. I'm not going to go move my move blow by blow. Uh, but, I mean, I think by the time they built, they built and built and built this thing. By the time they got it, Jimmy, there was some, there was, a, there was a, the false finish of the crowd. They had the crowd. People uh, thought that Jey Uso had done it. Uh, that, it's like It's like you're reading my notes, man. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I'll, get a little, I'll let you get to your notes. Ultimately, um, ultimately, Rollins is going to hit the curb stomp. He's going to get the win. Uh, let's, let's stop there. There's a little bit of extra cricket that happens after that. But let's stop there. Let's just talk about Seth Rollins and Jey Uso in that match. But it was, again, it was one hell of a match. And I felt like at the beginning, you know, the crowd was a little, you know, both guys were getting cheered pretty much. And it was a little bit divided. Not really booing Seth, but at the same time, like you said, a couple of CM Punk chances and that sort of thing. It almost felt like the crowd didn't believe that there was an opportunity for the title to change hands tonight. But they were kind of enjoying the match. They're going, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. But then this is the magic sometimes that happens. in pro. They got them to bite a couple of times. And a couple of really good false finishes. And uh, I haven't written down. And I I could name them off, but... if you hadn't haven't seen it, go out and check it out because there were twice at least there were two times in that match where the audience you got that huge oh when Seth barely kicked out before the three and that's what you want to hear and that's what you want to get you want to go from that oh, you know what's going to happen they're going to have a pretty good match but there's no way they're going to win to having the audience going oh I thought that was it uh, Matt your thoughts on the match and. Uh... The, the the Uso story, the Jay Uso story, the Usos, twin brothers, tag team for the last, you know, uh, decade and a half, and they split them off, put them on separate brands. Um, have they managed to truly make Jay Uso a bona fide single star? 
that is not something you often see when you have twins who just make their living as being twins in a tag team. But I mean, has Jay Uso even not winning this title tonight? Has he elevated himself as truly being a main event caliber talent for them? Well, they've taken their lessons from other tag teams that have split and haven't been successful. They haven't repeated any of those pitfalls. As far as the Usos go, man, my son and I, who's now 21, used to watch him when he was 10 on Saturday Morning Slam. They were on Saturday Morning Slam every week, which was, you know, this PG-rated show where you didn't really get the top guys, but you got the Usos. Now, Jay Uso, to me, is like the Scottie Pippen of the WWE. Like, at first, you didn't really believe. You're like, is he just there because the spot? Like, he's good, but is he in that spot because of, you know, you know that guy that there? And slowly but surely, man, you realize he, he gets better and he wins you over. And then you realize, oh, he was this good the whole time. I was just dumb. You know, like, <laughs> Jay keeps stepping up and goes beyond, above and beyond what I thought he would do. For sure. He is great. And as far as that finish goes, for one second, I believed. That second one, that second uh, almost pinfall. I believed like, you know, I'm watching wrestling as cynically as I can just sit there going, here we go. Seeing it. You know, I'm always like that. And for one second I went, Ooh, you know, so, <laughs> so great job. Uh, congrats to you, Matt. I don't think we've ever had a mention of Saturday morning slam. On this <laughs> so the fact that you got that in there, you made, you've made wrestling in history. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about what happened after the match. So, uh, Seth Rollins wins, uh, after hard fault match between these two baby faces, Drew McIntyre comes out of nowhere and just Claymore kicks, Jay Uso, he he knocks out Seth Rollins, uh, you know, blasts Uso through the table. Uh, so just as we started with the heel, Drew McIntyre pissed off. We end with the heel, Drew McIntyre pissed off. And so to the point that one of you made, I forget which one of you was, uh, as we have Punk coming back to Raw next Monday, uh, there are some options. I mean, just right now, Drew McIntyre is saying this is my damn show, and I'm 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 and I'm and I'm mad. I'm mad at everybody, and and and, and Punk's not <laughs> absolved from this list. Uh, Jimmy, your thoughts on uh, the, the this the post match attack from Drew, and just where we're headed at this point? No, it, it it from a story standpoint, it makes sense because Drew has an issue with the bloodline, and of course, Jay having his connection with the bloodline, and has it passed with Drew uh, in a negative capacity for Drew, at least. Anyways, it makes sense, and if let's say punk does come back you know and signs with raw there's still a story there for him and drew but there's still a story between drew and the bloodline so it's almost like he 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 may want to go after the bloodline more than he wants to go after cm punk Mm -hmm. or or if you get where i'm going with this it's 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 kind of like uh it's kind of like trying to you know, pull at strings here, but at the same time, it, there are stories on both sides. So I could see him going to both shows. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, where's your interest at with this? Where, where do you gauge what's, what's, what's Drew doing next? Man, I'll tell you, you know, when you look at Triple H and what he's done with WWE, um, people talk about the angles. It's not really the angles. This dude has developed these deep characters. And that way, anything that's a little bit of an angle, you appreciate even more because you care about the characters. Look at the Drew McIntyre character. Matter of fact, look at the Jay Uso character, the Sami Zayn character. You know, it, it they are they are, there's tons and tons of subtext there. So with Drew, you see he's angry. And I'm not sure he's gonna be going after the bloodline. I think he's angry at the world. And he's angry, he seems to be angry, more angry at people like Sami Zayn, who are calling him out for being such a baby, 
as opposed to mad at the actual issue. He's mad at Seth Rollins for being in his spot, not so much, you know, Roman Reigns for costing him, you know, the, the, the title. Drew, man, what they're doing with Drew is indicative of everything they're doing with everybody. I don't know where they're going. It could definitely be punk, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. And it's compelling, and it's one of the more interesting character turns we've seen in the last few years. For sure, for sure. Uh, uh, because he's pulling it off, I'm sorry. Not just because it's good. Drew is killing it in that role. He's. It's not just being given. You could give that to a bunch of guys and say, okay, uh, you're turning. He's like, all right. you know. But Drew is just killing it, man. You, well, you're, Matt, sorry to cut you off. Jeff. Matt, I completely agree with you because he makes it believable. He makes you believe exactly what he's saying. And you're going, boy, that doesn't sound storyline to me. Yeah. I mean, Drew, you know, I, the documentary is going to be great one day for, for the WB Network, for Peacock, whatever it's on. I mean, you, you look at a guy, you, you go back and look at him at like 09, and the, just the physical difference uh, of what he looked like. And, you know, he was dubbed the chosen one by Vince. Good God, what a what a, what a a pressure that is to then have that labeled. And that did not pan out. Um, you know, goes into threes and three MB with, you know, with Jinder and Heath. And then he leaves and much like Cody did, you know, you know much like Cody did, Drew left and went out and bet on himself and in some ways reinvented himself a little bit, changed the look, obviously, you know, worked a lot of different promotions. Uh, and then he's come back and he's, uh, he's better than, you know, he, obviously he's, he's better than ever at the, at the oldest age that he's been at his career, but he's better than ever. He's got, he's, he's got more, it feels like he's got more youth than ever in him. Uh, not from just a physical standpoint, but just from an energy standpoint of, of like what he's doing as Matt just highlighted, like, you know, what, what the, the depth of his character and where he's at now. So, um, yeah, so Drew McIntyre. So much more credible than this sword-waving champion, you know? Yeah. Like, so much more genuine than he's a prince with a sword. Like, this is, it just seems, this is the role he's been waiting to play his whole career. Agreed. Agreed. So that was Monday Night Raw tonight. Again, very wrestling heavy, as Matt noted earlier. Uh, they, you know, it certainly felt like that they might have been down some bodies. I don't know what the status was, but obviously Rhea's not there. Finn's not there. You know, they did not choose to use Punk tonight. Um, if there's anybody else notably that really wasn't there. But, I mean, it definitely they definitely got the most out of what they did put out there in the ring tonight uh, from a time standpoint, from a story standpoint. Uh, so we uh, head now to SmackDown this Friday. Uh, of course, CM Punk advertised for that, and then he's advertised for Raw next week in Cleveland which we will have podcasts here on Wrestling Inc. of all of that. Um, final thoughts? Give me your plugs. Put yourselves over. Uh, Matt, as the guest, you go first. Final thoughts on tonight's Raw, and uh, how can people get more of you? Nothing to plug right now, except I'm coming out with some new music soon. Um, at Matt Coon Music on Twitter. want to thank you guys for having me on. Sorry for talking so much. I just love to talk wrestling. Um, Raw was very good. The three-hour Raw is never going away. We have to accept it. And that just makes it tough no matter how good it is. If hey, 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 don't, don't, don't say that. They, the, 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 Raw's probably going to be a new place, not USA. It's probably going to be a new place starting next year. Let's all let's all keep some hope that they can somehow get it to two hours. Keep some hope. Yeah, and and, and mm -hmm. WWE's going to go, hey, let's just cut our income in two-thirds. Let's go ahead and do that. <sighs> you know, it's, uh, but I'm sorry. Like, I've, I've come to terms with it. It's acceptance of – because it, it's, it's just as good as it was. It's still three hours. So I'm like, this has been a great first hour and a half. This and about 15 minutes later, I'm like, oh my god, there's an hour and 15 minutes left. You know, uh, good show, but it's still three hours. Yeah, 
Uh, new music. That's exciting. Is it uh, anything wrestling related? Or is it totally separate? Music? Not wrestling related. I'm. I am. Uh, uh, I did the wrestling thing for a while. You know, I, if I did the first FTR theme on AW, and if you watch Impact, I did Deanna Perazzo's theme and Steve Macklin's theme, and a lot of podcast themes. But this is the first music I'm just making for myself, like art. You know what I'm saying? Like just me. So awesome. Uh, cool. I've been working on it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be out. You can follow me on Twitter to find out more. Well, good on you. Make make that make that music. That's awesome. Matt 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 Coon, uh, music. So that's exciting uh, to 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 do that. The, the resume cool. with the wrestling stuff, but branching out on your own stuff uh, for for your own creative creative purposes. Good on you, Jimmy. Final thoughts on Raw, and uh, how can the people get more of Jimmy Corderas? No, I, I enjoyed Raw, like you guys said. It was very wrestling heavy. And please, Matt, do not apologize. Uh, you, you were wonderful tonight. Lo- love listening well, to your it tapes. Was it, it was a pleasure to see you again. Yeah, pleasure to see you again, too. Um, uh, again, I enjoyed it. It made me interested in wanting to see what happens next in certain situations, and that's the goal, right? You want people to want to come back, and they got me wanting to come back and see what happens. And as far as where you can find me, you can find me here on Monday nights uh, with you, Justin, and usually Jack Farmer, which is Triple J, but good to have Matt on tonight with us and thank him for joining us. Wednesday nights after, Dyna- after Dynamite, you'll, you can catch me here as well with you, Justin, and usually it's Isa. Um, the Riffin' It Up podcast with my good brother in stripes, Brian Hebner and I, uh, drops usually every Wednesday. And thank you, JR, for keeping the glue together <laughs> for that podcast. I have to give him his shout out as well. We had Hermie Sadler on last week. This week, uh, Elijah Burke oh. is scheduled to be our guest. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know, he makes it on. And as always on my social anti-social media platforms from Monday to Friday. You can catch me doing my ref and rant. It's only a minute long. They're little critiques that again, not to tear down, but to help tighten screws that I think need to be tightened. That's all. And have a little fun with it as well. With your cup of coffee. With my cup. Oh yeah. I gotta have a cup of coffee for sure. With your cup of coffee. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah. I think for this time of year, this time of year is always tricky with WWE in December. Uh, it's just always, a, it's a, it can be an odd time of year. Uh, but I do feel like they are putting their—they're putting some some good foots forward to trying to keep you engaged again when they're not doing which they're not doing a December PLE, they're not doing a New Year's Day PLE. So you know, so in terms of that, we have a while to go until it's a gimmick show, which is Rumble. So I feel like they at least are trying to give us some stories till then. And, and there's a lot of course uh, things to talk about. So uh, I'm still intrigued. It is three hours. It is long, but I think they're they're trying to make the most of it and make it as 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 watchable as possible. Uh, at Jessica Labar across all the socials back Wednesday night here with Issa and Jimmy uh, after Dynamite every Friday morning spar with Labar with myself Dave LeGrec and Thunder Rosa on Busted Open and then you get me for three whole hours on Sundays now Busted Open is 24-7 seven days a week seven days the seventh day the new day now on Sunday myself and Jonathan Hood on Sunday morning so three hours of live mic your calls all the talk it is a fun way to start your Sunday. So check it out there. If you can listen live, check out the podcast, check out uh, the show on demand via the, via the Sirius XM app. Yeah. Really Thank- quick here, Justin, thanks yeah. for having me wake up early on my days, Sundays now. <laughs> hey, if I'm going to, if I got to set an alarm now on Sunday, you're setting an alarm. All right. There we go. No, I appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks everybody for the support for all the stuff with Sirius XM. Thanks for everybody for the support here on the wrestling podcast. Uh, of course, we got, saw a lot of our normal suspects in the chat tonight. We appreciate you. Uh, if you're listening to the show on demand or if you're listening, um, you know, if, you're, if you're on YouTube on demand, if you've got the podcast to one of the audio feeds, uh, appreciate it. Leave a review, leave a comment, tell a friend, do any of those things uh, that helps helps the show grow, helps us all keep doing this thing that we love to do, which is to talk wrestling. Have a good night.
We'll be back. Uh, there'll be a podcast tomorrow night, I believe, after NXT here on Wrestling Inc. Be good. Be good. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Jimmy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.